welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. All right, for the sake of brevity this morning, I'm going to just jump right into the message. There's going to be a bunch of stuff happening behind me. It's going to be a little bit distracting for you because it's out of the ordinary, but I'm going to ask you to just kind of bear with me because in just a little bit, I'm going to be inviting uh, some friends to join me on stage, and we're going to steward a conversation that is going to be held around uh, this morning's point of focus from God's Word. We have been in a sermon series entitled Jesus Is, and we've been looking at really four points of emphasis or four points of focus as a Foursquare church that we take all of who Jesus is and the work that he does and put them into these kind of four big buckets of thought and idea that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Baptizer, that Jesus is Healer, and Jesus is soon and coming King. And we've been spending some time in that series. And last week, Pastor Cameron brought us into the conversation and the focus point of Jesus as healer. Uh, talked about uh, the divine healing and the way that Jesus speaks and moves and acts in our lives to produce that. Uh, and we got a chance to really celebrate, take steps of responsive faith into believing the Lord for that and to moving into inviting that work. And we're going to do a second part to that this morning because there's a role that the body of Christ plays in healing and wholeness in walking into the freedom that Jesus uh, it has available to, to you and I. And so there's work that Jesus does in us, and then there's work that Jesus does in us as we are uh, really stewarding um, the, the work of Christ in the, the body. One of my favorite places of healing and wholeness in uh, the New Testament comes out of John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, you, many of you would already be familiar with this passage of Scripture. I'm just going to hit it really quick, but you have the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He passes away. Jesus hears the news that he's sick. And before Jesus arrives, that he has already died, he's already been buried, and he has been in the ground for three days. And there's this whole narrative around what takes place as Jesus comes to that community, as he interacts with Lazarus' family, as he comes to the grave himself, and as he weeps and demonstrates what it looks like to walk through uh, real deep grief. And then you have like that moment that everything changes where he says, roll away the stone. And they're like, excuse me, this is not a good idea. It's already been three days. And he says, roll away the stone. And they do that. And then he says, Lazarus come forth. That's uh, how, it, how it's often translated. But hey, come on out. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. He, he's raised to resurrected life, and he comes out of the grave. And as I have kind of studied that, and as that's been a frequent story that I have visited in my years of following Jesus, there's been different points of emphasis that have come out of it. Okay, so early on when I was young and I first heard that story, it's like this, this absolute miracle. Somebody who is dead being raised back to life, the ultimate expression of resurrection and healing and wholeness. And that was the thing that I really celebrated and focused on in that story. And then there were seasons in my life where I lost people, where I lost things, where there was a deep sense of loss and grief 
and disappointment, and I was moved by Jesus' demonstration of what it means to respond to grief, that even though in just a moment he was going to call Lazarus out of the tomb, it says that Jesus took time, it, it, it says that he wept. Shortest verse in all of Scripture is a short Greek phrase that says, translated into English, Jesus wept. And that word weep is not just like he shed a tear. It's like this violent grieving. And Jesus took time to do that. And there's something in that narrative that has spoken to me over the years that has given me permission and even given me a primer on how to uh, approach grief. But then there's something in this narrative that has uh, come to really a point of focus as I've considered what it looks like for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Okay, in, in all honesty, uh, I've been following Jesus for my whole life. I've always been a part of a church. My deepest wounds and disappointments have all come at the hands of people who love Jesus. I've been hurt far more by the church than I would have ever been hurt by the world around me. And that's a common experience for many of us. And it's because we don't get the community piece of following Jesus. We don't get it right very well. We don't often really get to this place of being authentic and raw and real and really allowing the grace that we've received be the grace that we operate in. But what's really interesting in this narrative is that you see Jesus call the community into being a part of the journey into divine wholeness and healing. And when you finish the story in John chapter 11, Lazarus is out. He's called to this resurrected life. There's the whole community and the family around him that are all freaking out about what just happened. And then Jesus ends uh, or kind of ends his time there with this simple statement. And the narrative in, in John closes with this. It says, Jesus said to them, talking about the community, those who gathered, the onlookers, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's such an interesting thing because Jesus doesn't do that. He calls John, or excuse me, Lazarus to resurrected life, but then he looks at the community. He looks at the gathering of, of the family and the community and the fellowship, and he says, now you unwrap the grave clothes and let him go. See, there is a response that we have to when Jesus speaks and speaks a divine moment of the miraculous and the healing. When our hearts, our minds, our body, our soul, our spirit, when there's something that Jesus does of a miraculous work in us, and then there is in response to that, steps that we take to live that out and to move that forward. Every miracle of, of, uh, that's recorded in the gospel is followed by not just something that Jesus does miraculously, but then by an instruction, go do, share. There, there's always some kind of response because we are to live it out. We're to experience it out. We're to walk into the fullness of that. And what you very often find in the narratives of the miracles that Jesus did is that that experience and walking into the full restoration is a community process. People are restored to community, they're restored to their families, they're restored to these places of right relationship, and they steward together the work of God in the group. Get up, walk, go, do, live into what Jesus has done. And Jesus is the healer, right? We focused on that last week. There's the miraculous, there's the divine healing that's available to you and I in Jesus, and, and he wants that to be the whole of our person. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, it says this, May God himself, 
The God of peace sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And as Paul is writing to the church uh, in Thessaloniki, he is drawing their attention to the intention that God has of restoring the whole of who you are. This idea of healing, oftentimes we only think of it in terms of sickness, right? I've got migraines, then I, I need to go to the prayer station and get prayed for, for healing. And that happens all the time, by the way. Uh, physical healing back at our prayer station is a frequent occurrence, and you can go talk to the people who are back there praying, and they're not doing anything special. They're just allowing space for God to do something special. But in, in, in the midst of that, it's, it's not just this idea of kind of having this moment of healing, but walking into the fullness of being whole. And, and uh, in this verse, it says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. And a, a lot of times we think of it this way, that that means all of it, right? I think of whole as like the whole part. So I want all of my spirit or all of my soul. And it's appropriate to think that way, but that's actually not what is being highlighted in the verse. It would be better to understand it as this, may your spirit be whole. May your soul be whole. May your body be whole. May there be a wholeness and a completeness that is then kept, guarded, preserved, held fast until the coming of our Lord Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus as the soon and coming King, and many of you are watching what's going on in the world. You're like, bro, you can't get here soon enough, right? But until we get to that, we'll be focusing on that next week. There's something that God wants to do in the meantime of bringing about a wholeness to the whole of who you are. And as He does that, He invites you and I to be a part of stewarding that in one another. It's the reason why Paul uses the metaphor of the body and all of the parts working together. It's the reason why uh, that uh, is a primary way that the um, family of God is described. But in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, it says this. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. We're going to get to the other parts because what Paul is talking about here is how does the community of of believers, how does the body of Christ, how are we supposed to care for one another? Okay, and I do have to pause here for a minute because I always read this verse when I was little as somebody's going to catch me, right? There's a proverb that talks about that every sin is going to be uh, found out or brought to light, that it's just really a matter of time. And when I would read a verse like this, I would think, oh man, somebody's going to find out I was naughty. And it's not saying that, hey, if you find out something naughty about somebody, you should just kind of uh, be kind and, and gently bring them along. It's not talking about discovery here. This word caught isn't like, oh, caught you. The word caught is that you have been overcome, that you have been caught off guard, and you have been trapped or overwhelmed or captured. Brothers and sisters, if you recognize that somebody in the family has been overcome, by sin. They've been blindsided. They've been entrapped. They've been ensnared. That they have unintentionally found themselves in a place where they are bound and they cannot get free. You who live by the Spirit 
should restore that person gently. That word restore, it's a word that means to like, if, if you had a, a fracture, to wrap and secure, to hold it fast. It would be like to cast, come alongside, create a compression, insulate, protect. And this is what he's saying here. When we recognize, okay, when we recognize that there's a need for healing and wholeness in one another, the family rallies together. We rally around one another. We come to one another's aid. We come to the rescue. That's the way that it's supposed to be. Now, often our experience is that we get hurt by those who are supposed to rescue us, right? We don't get this right all the time. But the intention is that we would come and that we would come around one another, that we would uh, uh, protect, that we would insulate, that we would look to bring about restoration. And then he starts moving into the way that you and I are supposed to provide care for one another. And in a moment, that's going to segue into the individuals that I have join me on stage. But in verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That word carry is not just I'm going to come and take your burden from you and I'm just going to bear the weight of it. It actually means to come and lend my strength to, to come alongside and, and bear it up with you. And that word for burden is very specific and it's important to differentiate this be, be, uh, with something that Paul says at the end of the section. But this word burden, it means to, to uh, a weight that you could not carry on your own with any amount of endurance. You might be able to get it up, but you can't sustain it. That you and I, as the body of Christ, we are supposed to move in such a way when we recognize that somebody is, is in need of healing and wholeness and restoration. We know that there is one who does that divinely. We know that Jesus speaks healing to that situation, but as the body of Christ, as the family, we're going to rally around that need, and we're going to protect one another, we're going to steward that truth, and we're going to walk them into that freedom. We're going to unwrap the grave clothes, and we're going to set them free. We're going to set them loose, and we're going to do that together. And those things that are too heavy for them to carry on their own, those things that they're, they're trying to bear the weight of, but they can't ever be set free, they can't ever walk into freedom, for whatever reason that is, that we come and we lend our strength, that we lend our encouragement, that we speak the truth in love, that we come alongside and we bear that burden, not indefinitely, but we bear that burden to Jesus, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you Rest. And so there's a place that we do that. We, we steward them with our strength into that place. And then Paul comes to the end of this section, talks about kind of the danger of pride and division and some things like that. But then in verse 5, he says something interesting. He says, for each of us, or for each one, should carry their own load. Right? You might have already read ahead in your scripture already on that. You're like, hey, wait a minute. That sounds like the opposite of what he just said. What's happening here? Okay, it, it does. He's using the same type of metaphor. But for each one to carry their own load, the, the word in the Greek for own load, it's not a burden that's too heavy to endure under. It's not something that somebody else has to come and somehow lift with you. It's a word in the Greek that would be uh, loosely translated as a day pack, right? So you're going to go to the Broncos game and you don't want to pay $400 for a hot dog. And so you've got your little day pack on with your snacks and you're ready to go. Right? Some of you do the same thing with the movies. Caught you in your sin. No, I'm teasing. But it's saying, hey, you've got this, you've got this thing that you can endure under. Take responsibility for that. 
And so there's, there's a part of the way that the body of Christ is supposed to work where when there are burdens that are weighing people down and they cannot walk into the freedom that is theirs in Christ, that instead of saying, oh, why can't you figure that out? We come together and say, no, we're going to bear this burden to Jesus and we're going to walk you into freedom. And we do that collectively and together. And then there's places where we're called to accountability for the things that we are responsible for. And we take responsibility for that and move forward. And frequently, we get those things mixed up. We want to get out of the things that we are actually responsible to steward in our walk with the Lord. And we somehow try to suffer under the things that would be impossible for us to endure through. We get, we get it switched. If you were looking at kind of unhealthy human interactions, it would, it would say that those two things, when they're switched and they are misaligned, create codependent relationships that are destructive and counterproductive. And so what Paul does here is he, he gives us a picture of what it looks like to not just call for healing and wholeness, not just in faith say, this is mine in Christ, and not just to receive the word that transforms us, but then to steward it as a community so that we all walk into wholeness and health in Jesus' name. And one of the things that this has created for us as a church family is this last year we created what we called our, it's just called our care ministry. We didn't have a better name for it, but it really describes what we wanted to begin, to create places where we could raise our hand and say, hey, I've got a burden that I've been trying to carry on my own, and it's one of these burdens that I need help carrying. And places where we could raise our hands and say, hey, there's things in my life that I know that I'm responsible to steward with the Lord, but I'm trying to get out of it, and I need somebody to encourage me forward in that. And we created a team and some ministry focus and opportunities uh, for, for you and I to be able to steward this type of community, a type of, of, of community where as the body of Christ, we come together and we uh, encourage and champion one another into wholeness and health and into the fullness of who God has created each one of us to be uniquely, to participate in the things of God. And this morning, I've got some of uh, our leaders of those ministries that are going to come up, and we're just going to steward a conversation of, of what that looks like, and then we're going to get to a place where practically, what can you and I begin to do in our own lives as we go out this next week? to begin to steward and foster this in our relationships in our church family. And so uh, PK and Joey and Suzanne and Bob, if you guys would come forward, you guys will recognize uh, many of these faces. You can go ahead and cheer for them and smile. Pretend that you're happy for them to be here. Now, just as a, a point of introduction, and again, you can find uh, a little bit more information on all of them. Uh, under our Care Ministries button on our website, sterlingfoursquare.com. But really what we've, what we've done is there's, there's three areas of focus within our care ministry that we wanted to provide places for uh, community and places for uh, health and wholeness to be accessible and available. Um, Suzanne is in charge of what we call our uh, Healing to Freedom prayer ministry. Uh, and this would be a ministry that's really going to focus on um, using uh, prayer and kind of stewarding that in a group to move into freedom and deliverance from things that would hold you back. 
Pastor Bob is actually over the whole of our care ministry. He's kind of the pastor in the face of that, but his point of focus and emphasis really would be what we would call pastoral care. And if you were thinking about kind of, hey, uh, I need some help and I need to talk to a pastor, that would be kind of that first, kind of that first step. That would be really what, what Bob and his team uh, provides in earnest, looking really uh, at shepherding moments. And then PK and Joey um, oversee what we would call um, uh, our, our trauma counseling. Um, sometimes there's um, some special skill sets and some very practical uh, application steps that you need to walk through to kind of untangle some stuff that you've been stuck in in order to move forward. And these all uh, have similar approaches. Uh, they are all listening from the Lord and being led by the Spirit of God into that, but they're going to focus on one uh, kind of uh, emphasis in a sense, and they all kind of work together. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to have them share a little bit not just about what they do, um, but I'm going to have them share a little bit about what, what you and I can do, how we can begin to steward a community in our church family that looks like what Paul describes in Galatians, a place where when you uh, bump into other believers that are part of our church family, that you would know that you're bumping into somebody who's safe, that you know that you're bumping into somebody who is going to lend their strength to you if you are in need of rescue, that you are going to bump into somebody who's going to call you to be responsible for the things that really are yours to walk through with Jesus, and to do that in a way where it's all flavored by grace, that the grace that God has extended to each one of us, that we learn to receive that and extend that grace uh, to one another. And so we'll, we'll start with Suzanne on this side um, and kind of work our way this way, and I'm going to have them uh, answer just a few questions briefly, um, but I'd like you to just, I want you to describe your uh, area of ministry focus in our care ministry, uh, and then answer the question, how, how does that area assist others in carrying their burdens to Jesus? Because again, that's what we want to do. We want to provide care for one another where we can get those things that are weighing us down and keeping us stuck. We want to get those to Jesus. Perfect. Healing to Freedom was designed to help people get to a sense of wholeness in their spirit, in their soul, and in their body. So what we do as a team, because I have several ladies that work with me as well, and our heart's desire is to help you guys individually come to hear the Lord and from the Lord and help Him um, release those burdens. So we know John 10.10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That sounds pretty daunting, doesn't it? But basically what he does is he, doesn't, he hasn't changed his tactic. His tactic is to steal the word of God from you, to steal the notion that God doesn't love me anymore, that I can hear from God, that I'm going to have to perform to do certain things to get him to change me. So there's a performance base to that. And it's all kind of grounded in fear, worry, anxiety, shame, guilt. We've all experienced those emotions. So what we do is we come along and we ask the Lord through prayer to reveal those lies that we're believing that's keeping us bound up in this shame and guilt and worry that we keep experiencing. And once he reveals the truth, because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Once I find the way back to hearing God's voice clearly, and we all can hear God's voice, we're wired for it, it comes naturally. We just get um, confused as to, is that really you, God, or is that just me? We've all been there. 
But once we find the way, now he can reveal the truth through his word. And his word is the living word of God. And that living word is what's going to transform our thinking and renew our mind to be thinking, lining up with the word of what God says about me in my life and not what I think or what the world has imposed upon me because I continue to walk in shame, doubt, guilt, fear. I mean, we could go on with that. Once that truth is established, now what? There's a great outcome to that. There's life. And you know what? There's an abundance of life because the second part of that scripture says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to do what? Bring life. And bring what? Life abundance. So the enemy wants us to keep us in this comfortable zone right down here living kind of less than. And what we want to do is pull you up out of that less than into a life of abundance. So once we get the truth and you hear the truth, you hear God speak the truth to you, there is nothing like hearing God say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I love you. I can say those same words to you, and it might mean something, but when God says it to you, there's something deep inside that changes and shifts. And that's what this part of the ministry does. It shifts you into a new way of thinking of encountering God. And once that truth is established and you're on your way, then what? Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. So you're going to walk out your freedom. How are you going to walk out your freedom? Because now you have a foundation. You've heard from God. You know what the truth is. That's the foundation now that you're beginning to walk into, into wholeness in your life. That's pretty much what we do. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and so Bob, same question for you. Just, um, just briefly describe your area of focus in the care ministry and then how does it assist people in, in carrying their burdens to Jesus? Yes. First of all, let me say, Suzanne is awesome at helping you to identify the lies you've believed and lived into. Yeah, for me, I just bring more of a pastoral approach. Uh, I believe that um, a lot of healing takes place in relationship. Um, relationship, discipleship, it all goes together. Friendship. Uh, when we get a cold call, what I call a cold call, somebody calls into the church and says, hey, I need to talk to somebody, um, usually it comes to me. Or if somebody has a physical need, somebody uh, needs rent paid or something, then all those things go through the care ministry as well. But um, in my past, uh, in, in my studies, I've, I've learned to listen. You might think that's overly simplistic, but if you want to fix most relationships, you have to begin to listen. And as Christians, we should be good listeners. We should listen not just for what's being said. Listen to understand. And uh, so when I get a call and somebody wants to chat, uh, sometimes people just need to speak, to chat. And so I'm there, and I, I try to shepherd them. I try to shepherd their heart. I try to identify things that are preventing them from growing into the fullness of what God has for them. Um, also, I kind of like, well, I better send this person over to these folks. Or, uh, this looks like something that you could really do well with. So that's kind of um, my pastoral approach, yeah. Yeah, thanks. And then uh, PK and Joey, if you guys would describe a little bit, just kind of um, 
what's your area of focus and then how do you help assist um, people moving those burdens to Jesus? Sure. Carol Peter. Oh, hello. There I am. Yes, I think I'm on. Yeah, you're on. I'm on. Therapeutic counseling is a really scary way of saying. Therapeutic counseling is a really scary way of saying that one person in pain talks to the other person who's not caught in their pain, and together they figure things out. And that's pretty much what we do in a nutshell. Counseling doesn't have to be scary. What's scary is continuing in your pain and not availing yourself to everything God has for you. And that's pretty much what we do. God has called me to, to listen and come alongside and be there and to help clarify and maybe together get some ideas and see where God wants you to go and how do we get there and, you know, back you up as you go. And in 35 years, I don't think there's anything I'm going to hear at this church I haven't heard before. <laughs> so <laughs> been I don't know. A, I mean, you don't know everybody this here. a little while, but. That's mainly what God's called me to. I'm PK, and I was created by God and loved by God in the beginning, and I was created to be a counselor, somebody who lifts up other people, somebody who encourages other people. But in the early years, I realized that I had a problem, and that was 37 years ago when I got married. <laughs> to this lovely bride here. The situation changed. And I was having a great life. I was blowing and going. I was having so much fun. I was in, getting out of college and rock climbing and doing all the things that I love to do. And my wife told me, hey, bud, we're married now. <laughs> you see, the situation in life changed. But I wasn't smart enough to realize that I needed to make some changes, too. And that's how life catches up with us sometimes. Sometimes we, do, we don't realize that we have gone through changes, that the situations in life has changed, that our time in life has changed, that we've matured, that we've had kids, that we've experienced loss. So many of those things change the way we look at life. And so my calling is to help people reconcile their past with behaviors in the present that lead to good mental health and a strong hope in the future that God is with them and yeah. God is empowering them. Yeah. All right, we're going to come back over to Suzanne real quick because one of the things that I wanted to do this morning just um, to, to put forth the desire as a church family to be a, a healthy community, to be a grace-filled community where when we see a need, where we rally to one another, uh, where we come to one another's rescue, um, but then also a place where we can raise our hand and say, hey, I've got this burden, and this is a burden that I can't carry. I need help. A place that we can be held accountable for the things that we should be carrying our own load with. Um, and as a church family, the last, uh, just in this last year, we created this care ministry. Really, this is a place where if you need to raise your hand, this, this would be a good place to go. But there should also be a practical 
element to the way that this is just expressed in the body. And what I've asked them to do is to, to just give us, what, what's, what are some things that you and I can do this week, right, without being part of this team, without having the experience or the credentials or the degrees or, like, without any of that stuff, how can you and I go out into the community and when we bump into somebody and we sense that there is a need for wholeness, that there's an opportunity to relate with them in a way that brings the hope of who Jesus is and to maybe unwrap one of those pieces of the grave cloth. Like, what, what can we do this week? And so from each one of them, just want to hear, um, just real quick, what, what's one practical thing that we could do this week, that any of us could do this week um, to begin to steward this? This is easy. Well, my heart is always prayer. And I know everybody goes, well, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do, because you don't have to say it out loud. Everybody needs a word of encouragement. Everybody needs to be comforted at some time, and everyone needs to be edified. And you can do that just by praying in your mind. Or I, what I like to do is when I see someone and I see that they're really distraught and things are going bad in their life, I just stand and ask the Lord in my mind, Lord, how can I speak life into this person? Show me, his light. Show me him through your eyes or her through your eyes. Show me what they need to hear right now. Because what I think they may need to hear isn't going to bring life. It might bring more condemnation or shame. And heaven forbid if we do that. That's not encouraging. That's not comforting. That's not edifying. So I would just encourage you this next week that when you see someone that's down and out or see someone that needs some encouragement, a hug is an encouraging thing. A hug is a gift of prayer. It shows someone, I love you and I care about you mm. and I'm holding you close. You know, and then I just ask the Lord, how can I help this person by prayer? What can I speak into their life? No, that's good. That's good. Just real quick as a, maybe another practical step. Um, one of the things that Suzanne is describing there is, is, is praying for somebody um, and, and trying to discern from the Lord, hey, God, give me, give me a word here. It's really discerning to how to hear from the Lord and to respond to that. Um, our next round of equipping classes, one of the classes is hearing from God. Suzanne actually teaches that class. So if you're like, hey, I can't even, I don't even know where to begin, sign up for that and she'll teach you. And in six weeks, like you'll be out with confidence doing that easy peasy lemon squeezy. Um, take that take that step of faith, though. Bob, something practical that we can do um, this week to shepherd yeah. and care? First off, I wanted to say that even though I spent most of my college studying psychology and working 30 years in the mental health field, where I learned more is in the church. And where I learned more was by doing life the wrong way. Okay? And then having the body of Christ relationship with me walk through it and so that's my approach is relationship friendship discipleship they all go together they are never separate they are never separate and so back to listening listening is one of the greatest things you can do as a counselor is to learn to listen when you're following the Holy Spirit he often says to me be quick to hear and slow to speak. And don't just give people... The, the greatest thing you can do for the people in your life is to cultivate your relationship with God. That's the greatest thing you can do for your spouse is to cultivate your own personal relationship with God and then live that out. And then live that out. 
so that you're not just giving advice from the top of your, from your, the first thing that you think of, but that you're actually giving advice that's biblical, that's from the heart of God. And, and those are the words that transform our lives. And so be quick to hear, slow to speak. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. That's a practical thing for you. Awesome. Thank you, Bob. I'm reminded of uh, in uh, Scripture where it tells us that Christ emptied himself and became a servant unto the cross and died for us. And to me, that's a reminder that it's not about me. And when I'm talking with someone, I want to just empty myself and serve them the best I can. Mm. And then in Colossians 3.12, it tells us that we as believers have a directive to put on compassion, mm. gentleness, kindness, humility, patience. And if we can listen to each other, not thinking about what we're going to say or what we're going to do is, or, oh my goodness, I don't know how to help them with this problem. Just listen out of compassion and kindness and huh, patience. And Christ will use you in miraculous ways to help that person. And that you're going to encounter that every day this week. And if we can just keep that mindset of serving. And I just have three small things to say this morning. And the first I was aware of this morning, bright and early, when the praise team got done singing, and Kiki was running down the aisles, and Colton got up to catch Kiki, and Kiki took off the other way. She was, she was on a roll, and she was having fun. And Colton said, I, I'm, I'm going to get you. And he finally caught up to her and caught Kiki, and she screamed with glee. She was caught. The first thing I want you to know this morning is that Jesus loves you. Yeah. And Jesus wants to catch you. And there's no better mental health than falling into the arms of Jesus, surrendering and saying, Jesus, your way, not my way. Love changes everything. You know, I would be, I would be happy to be rebuked by somebody who loves me and that I know loves me. And I've been rebuked by somebody who loves me. <laughs> the second thing is, uh, is something that when I'm doing sound system, I get here bright and early and I'm busy hustling about my job and things I have to get done. And the perfect example is Pastor Ben. Pastor Ben, when I come in and I'm working, at some point usually comes around the corner and says, hey, PK, can I help you? You need you need anything? Wow. Each and every one of us needs to be encouraged. Each and every person that we come in contact with needs encouragement. The idea of biblical encouragement is to lift another up. Pastor Ben talked about the burdens, lifting others up. Number 1, let love change your life. Number 2, the encourager. Number three, the most difficult of all three. That's probably not true, but <laughs> it's the last component of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And then the one that usually gets left off 
is self-control. Self-control is saying no to self and yes to the Spirit. How many times have I heard the Spirit say in my head, don't say it, don't say it, and then I say it. Or sometimes my wife actually says to me, don't say it, don't say it. (laughs) So those three things, love, encourage, self-control. Awesome. Thank you. Can we, can we thank our panel? Yep. Worship team, if you guys would come forward. Church family, I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you do this, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. It's just a way to drown out the distractions and kind of the movement around. And I want to ask you a series of questions. Because I want to encourage you to imagine. To imagine what our church family would be like if we got this right. To imagine what our church family would not only be like, but how we would impact our community if if we got this right. But let's start with just individually. Just start with you. How how would your life change? if you invited others to come alongside you and to walk with you into the healing and the wholeness that Jesus has provided? What what would happen if you asked for help with the burdens that you cannot possibly carry on your own, but you're trying so hard to be self-sufficient in? What would happen if you took responsibility to carry your own load, to exercise self-control in those areas of life that you have already been set free and where the Lord has always already prompted you to walk into freedom. But you've looked for maybe excuses. And then how might Jesus work with us together in bringing healing to our individual lives and our church family and our community. Can you imagine what your life would look like? Can you imagine what our church would look like? Can you imagine how our community would change if we did this right? Lord, it might even be hard for us to imagine those things because they're often so foreign from our experience. They're so different from what many of us have experienced. But Lord, would you open our eyes to the goodness of your kingdom? Lord, would you open our eyes and give us a way to imagine what it would look like to have that type of life at work in our church? Lord, we believe that Jesus is healer. We believe that he speaks and does the miraculous, that divine healing is a part of making us whole in body, soul, and spirit. That we are mended, that we are repaired, that we are restored and reconciled, that there's resurrection life in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you foster in our hearts a grace for one another and a grace for this type of process. Lord, that we would be quick to the rescue of those who would be overwhelmed 
by sin and brokenness. Lord, that we would be quick to lend our strength to carry each other's burdens. Lord, that we would be quick to take responsibility to carry our own load. That we would grow up into all things mature in Christ because of your healing work in us. And Lord, may it start with each heart here today. Move through our congregation and may it be something that impacts our community. May we be a place that people get to because they know there's healing in that place and it's a safe place to be. Begin that work in us with a simple yes to partner with your spirit and help us to take some of those practical steps this week to be a good listener, to be quick to pray, to be an encourager, to exercise self-control. Lord, that we would honor you in the way that we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Action steps for you this week, pretty simple. One is I want to encourage you to read that Galatians 6, 1 through 5 passage. Just kind of keep that fresh in front of you. Number two, for the places that you are carrying heavy burdens, raise your hand. Ask for help. The places that you are looking to get out of your responsibility, take responsibility and carry your own load.